Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Somebody may have told you that experience is a good teacher. It is, especially when it concerns the evidence for God. In Daniel chapter 5, the king is living in complete rebellion to God and trouble comes his way. Daniel comes to the king and reminds him that he has seen the mighty works of God and his denial of those works has brought consequences. This is a tremendous lesson to all of us, to let the past experiences and knowledge of God strengthen our faith. If you don't have that, you can begin today. Here's Pastor Jim to conclude his message, When God Leaves a Note. Which one of these two would really impress you? I mean, most people are impressed by status and wealth. Not some old prophet who kind of walks in the door kind of slowly. You could just picture going, that's him? That's him? But remember, God looks upon the heart. Character. Who you are when no one is looking who you are when other people are looking on. Character is what impresses the Lord. You know, I wonder if, I wonder if Martin Luther King's great words, if he wanted his children to be judged by their character, not by the color of their skin, came from a passage like this, where he's like, that's a guy of character. And that's what I want people to be judged on. And, and so here, I think for all of us, it's both an encouragement and a warning to be men and women of character. Daniel says at the end of verse 17, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Do you realize that's what Bible teaching is? You read it and then you make the interpretation known, but it's not your interpretation. You got to work the text very hard and make sure you're doing your best to make sure it's God's interpretation. You know, people read a verse and they go, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Some of you know the story when the Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door. They read a verse. They said, this is the Bible. It's the word of God. Do you believe it's the word of God? I said, absolutely. Absolutely, I do. And they said, okay. So they read a verse to me out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And they said to me, what do you think it means? You know, they had the trainee in the front and the expert in the back. And I said, who cares? And they said, well, we thought you thought it was the word of God. And you said that it's really important. And we, it should, it's very, I said, I did. And the guy says, do you mind if I try again? I said, go ahead, read the verse again. So he reads the verse to me and he goes to me, what do you think it means? And I said, who cares? So the guy says to me, sir, you said to me, you thought this was the word of God. I read it to you. And you tell me who cares what it means. I said, no, no, that's not how it went down. You asked me what I think it means. And I said, who cares what I think it means? It matters what God thinks it means. And the guy in the back goes, I'll talk to this one. <laughs> Does it matter what I think it means? It matters what God thinks it means. Daniel says to him, I knew King Nebuchadnezzar, either I knew your father, I knew your grandfather, and God showed him mercy. And at the end, he became a worshiper 
of God. But as we will see, this king's number is up and it is all over for him. And while the king wants to know what the writing on the wall means, first Daniel's going to show him why God wrote it in the first place. Verse 20, he says, But when his, Nebuchadnezzar's heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed, some versions say brought down from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. God had seen enough. Verse 21. So he's telling, he's telling this young punk king a story that he knows. Then he was driven from the sons of men away or away from the people. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with the grass like oxen and his power was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men. Another version says is sovereign over all the kingdom of earth. And remember, we learned this before, appoints over it whomever he chooses. Verse 22. It's a hard verse for me. And you will you will all understand in a minute why. Daniel turns to this hot shot and he says this to him. But you, now who's pointing the finger? But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart Although, and listen to these powerful words, you knew all this. You knew everything that happened in Nebuchadnezzar. You knew what God is capable of. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Was he saying, you are arrogant. And Daniel tells him how. First, they have brought the vessels out of his house before you. You had people bring the vessels from God's temple to you to party with. And you and your lords and your wives, your concubines have drunk wine from them. Number two, and you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, and iron, wood, and stone, which you do not see or hear and or know. You raised God's vessels up to those false gods. And three, the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. You did not honor God. Now, Lord willing, next week we'll go to chapter six. If you ever wondered why the lions can't chew up Daniel in chapter six, it's because he's too tough, right? There's no meat on the bone, (laughs) This guy is too tough. He only fears God. He looks at a guy who could take his head off in a second, and he says, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the way it is. I love this guy. This is preaching. This is preaching. Things change over time, but this guy deserves this. He says, You know how the Most High God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, and he doesn't say it, but he says it, and Nebuchadnezzar was a hundred thousand times the man you are. You're just his punk grandson, just walking in his wealth, 
inherited a bunch of money thinking something is special about you and you haven't done a darn thing for this planet. You should have humbled yourself, he's saying to him, but instead you challenged the most high God and you treated him with contempt. And Daniel concludes by reminding him, don't forget your breath is in God's hand. You better hope he doesn't do this. You better hope he doesn't close his hand. Because when he does, you're done. It's all over for you, and you're going to have to meet him. Now, I'm going to tell you something that absolutely terrifies me. And more than it terrifies me, it breaks my heart about the United States of America, a country that I deeply love, but not like I love the kingdom of God. I'm grieved, I'm concerned for so many of the people that have been raised here and so much of the younger generation raised in the church, although many of the younger generation was not raised in the church, for the four words at the end of verse 22, and you might want to circle them. You knew all this. He says to him, you knew about Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. You knew about the fiery furnace. You knew about how God humbled him. And you knew how he came to worship God. You know, whether you were a teenager then or you were in your 20s or your 30s, whatever, you knew all of this. You're not hearing it from me for the first time. You lived through it. And there are many people that were raised in the church and those outside the church who have had an experience much like this guy. Their friends or their parents were proud and arrogant and out in left field, and God humbled them the same way he humbled Nebuchadnezzar. And God says to them, you knew this. You knew this. You saw it happen. You heard them tell the story to you. And you became like Belshazzar. Many philosophers feel we've lost Christianity in the last generation. I don't know, but I, knew that, I do know this. It's not just about knowledge. Many people think, well, if they just knew more. I know people who've walked away from the faith that have a thousand Bible verses memorized that can recite books of the Bible. 
See, Bible knowledge without the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and a desire to obey the word of God will just turn someone into a Belshazzar. Ultimately, that's what it will happen. You say, well, well, he didn't know any of that stuff. No, contempt. Showing contempt towards God. And this is something we have to talk about soon. And that's why I said we may do some of this stuff before the fall comes around, is that our caustic speech, particularly in the area of politics, may serve our politics. Before you turn me off, listen to what I'm saying. Our caustic speech, and you might be right, but our caustic speech might serve our politics, but it poorly serves our mission. And we all have to decide, is our mission politics or the gospel of Jesus Christ? That does not mean we are not involved in politics. I'm hoping some of you run for office, school board, PTA chairman, whatever it is, chairwoman, whatever. But we are to be people about the mission of God. Our politics in many ways is making it very difficult for the next generation to reach their generation. What am I saying? If you're 25 or 30, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That the way we have become so caustic is making it very difficult for you to talk to your friends about Christianity to even have an intelligent conversation with them about it. It's making it very difficult. You see, we need to be like Jesus. That though we may disagree of what much goes on, Jesus is coming into a city that is going to crucify him. And what is he doing? He is weeping over the city. When is the last time you cried over someone else's sin? When is the last time you cried because someone you love may receive the judgment of God for their sins, which they deserve? You know, they did a poll and, and, and it said that 47% of millennials, and a lot of you are millennials, think that sharing your faith with Jesus is wrong. About your, you're sharing your faith with your friends about Jesus is wrong. Now, before some of you go, ah, oh, these millennials, I knew it. <laughs> you got to keep going with the survey. The survey also said that 94% of millennials said that the best, I think it's 94, maybe a little even higher. I'm picking the lowest number that's in my brain right now. I'm trying to see it on the screen. It was on the left side of the page when I was reading the survey a long time ago um, and didn't even intend to talk about this. But anyway, um, 94% of millennials said that the best thing that can happen to someone in their life is to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if 47% say it's wrong, but 94% 
say it's the best thing that can ever happen to someone, what is the disconnect? They hate the way the people prior to 2000 shared their faith because it worked in that time, but it doesn't work now. That's the thing. The young people are nodding their heads. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. People want to have the freedom to ask you questions and not have you have some snarky answer that might be right, but they want to talk about it differently. Because here's the thing. You're like, well, I showed them. I told them the right answer. Before you get in your car, they're on the internet Googling your answer. They have to change. We who are older have to change. That's our job. And so we have to be able to speak to people who have their doubts, even if they were raised in the church. And you knew this, he says. I wonder for any of us soul-searching question, is there an end you knew this for you today that God is speaking to your heart right now? And will you change or will God have to do something drastic in your life to get you to change? Verse 24. Then, so this is what happened. The fingers of the hand were sent from him, from God. And this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. And so Daniel is going to announce the judgment on the king and Babylon. Many, many, Tikal, Ufarsin. Wow, can you believe he wrote that? Some of you are like, oh boy. Literally, it means numbered, numbered, weighed, and divided. People interpret it different ways or name it, use different words to describe it. This is the interpretation of each word. So Daniel helps him. Many, which he said two times. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Another version says, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. So God weighed your character versus how he wants a king to be, and the scale went, <laughs> you were lacking. You were too light in character, deficient. Perez, now you say, well, the first word is ufarsin. Ufarsin is plural. Perez is the singular of the same word. Your kingdom has been divided. In other words, it's a done deal and given to the Medes and Persians. It's already a done deal. Now, if you have a study Bible, it may say that the letters were written in all vertical consonants, and Daniel had to figure out the words first. No matter what it was, Daniel did, and these words are all weights from heavy to light, and it's a way of telling the, this king that your kingdom is about to end. So God weighed Belshazzar on the scales of justice and righteousness and found both lacking. He was too light. The kingdom was too light. Belshazzar challenged God. He refused to bow to the most high God and therefore the Babylonian empire will be destroyed just like the dream in chapter two. It's exactly what the dream was about in chapter two. Remember the golden head would give way and that's exactly what's happening now. The golden head of Babylon is giving away. 
The chapter concludes, verse 29, then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, he was killed, you can say by somebody or by God, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. If you think that's old, you can leave right now. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Remember, we said that the river ran under the city. So the Babylonians think we got plenty of water. No problemo. No, but we can outlast these people. What they didn't know was the Medes and the Persians diverted the river. (laughs) And so the water got shallow, and the army walked right into the city, under the city in the shallow water, and it was game over. (laughs) The empire was humbled. 600 years later, Jesus teaching about a rich man and people who trust in their riches said this, this night your soul will be required of you, proving that God can humble the rich and the mighty. Now, this would be an encouragement to Israel that they will go home as the prophets said, but they can't close their eyes to their faith problem and why they ended up in Babylon. Before Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem, they were like Belshazzar at the feast, full of pride, holding the Lord in contempt, spitting on him and on the temple. But The dam went forth. The dam broke. It was enough. God judged after all that warning. And when God judges, people are either crushed or restored to God in this life. They say, I give up. I'm going to put my trust in you, or they will be crushed and destroyed in eternity. Let me ask you, my dear non-Christian friend, why would you choose death? Why would you choose eternal separation from God when Jesus Christ offers you eternal life in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that will never be destroyed? King Jesus was the opposite of this evil king, loving all people, but he was humble. He was poor. He had no wealth, yet he was full of grace and truth. Jesus is a king. He is God become a man. He told people his, key, his kingdom is not of this world and that Jesus was truly God and truly man. He was God who put on manhood. And as a man, the scale of justice and righteousness was in perfect balance. There was no swaying at all. Jesus was treated with contempt and he was spit upon both by the religious leaders in the Roman Empire, even to the point of death on a cross. And on a cross, there was another cup. It was the cup of God's wrath that was poured out on Jesus for sin, but not for his sins, but for those who would come to God through Jesus by putting their trust in him. For those who do, they receive the forgiveness of sins an eternal life, and an invitation to the great banquet, the banquet at the end of time. 
At that banquet, there will be an absence of pride. Pride will not be on the menu. There will only be gratitude that everyone can only sit at that table because of the cross of Jesus Christ. But the time for repentance and faith will run out someday for those who don't believe like it ran out for Belshazzar. So if Jesus is calling you today, come to him today before your time runs out. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you have questions, I would be happy to talk to you. We would be happy to get to know you. You can talk to us after service or we can get together during the week. I believe with all of my heart, and maybe it's only me, that God has left every one of us with a note today from his heart to yours, how will your heart answer his heart? Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.